Welcome everybody to another week of Movie Men Joy. My name's Callum O'Toole and as ever I'm joined by Johnny Smith. Hola. Hola. And James From Spanish Keen. listeners. Yeah, yeah, exactly. James? Ni hao for our Chinese Mandarin speaking listeners. Oh, fantastic. I didn't know you were such a cultured man, man such a world, <laughs> worldwise gentleman. I learned Chinese Mandarin at high school for four years. That Three years. That is... Be true. What?! <laughs> yeah. What in case of an impending Chinese world takeover? I think our, our, school, right our school was so terrified that <laughs> the world was going to get taken over the Chinese. Red thought, threat. Yeah, they thought that we best learn how to speak it, um, so that someday our class at school could steer the country to economic stability. Good for introducing podcasts. Then. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, ni hao, uh, ni chi falama, or wahan hao, which is. Hello, have you eaten yet? What's oh, right. Name? I thought you were saying, hello, welcome to the movie, men. No, no. It's no, great no. Because, they, because we've now hooked in all the Chinese listeners who put it on for 10 seconds ago. Oh, that's what you need. That's like, that counts the listen, I think. That so demographic yeah. spreading. There's like a billion of them. <laughs> Targeting new areas, <laughs> untapped resources. Then the advertisers will be flocking to us. And well, well that, was, that was interesting to learn about James. So, uh, Johnny, I'm going to come to you for some, for some more learnings. Uh, have you seen anything in the world of film this week that's, that's taken your fancy, caught your eye, that you can... Well, I should, some what taking us to another Red Scare at okay. that time is to, uh, with Red Sparrow in Russia. Oh, good. And uh, there was an article this week saying that Red, Red Sparrow hasn't done that well, uh, starring Jennifer Lawrence, sort of Cold War spy thriller, but set in the modern day. And it hasn't done that well at the box office, or critically, so they were sort of saying, can a star like Jennifer Lawrence still save a film? Do, do film stars still drive films? Or is the, the day of the star gone? And what was their uh, solution? What was their conclusion? Well, the base, these stars don't really have the, the same power anymore. But then you could easily argue that Jennifer Lawrence, without her, would anyone have even heard of Red Sparrow? But I suppose it depends how you define what a star is. If you do define a star as a, a personality or a celebrity who is consistent across movies and you watch it because of the... The charisma they bring. Um, but then you get s- stars, quote-unquote, like Ryan Gosling or Leonardo DiCaprio. Who I knew you were Gosling because you love just Gosling. Just love him I so much. <laughs> DiCaprio is probably the one truly bankable star, mm. I would say, at this point in time. But then, I, Yeah. We'll carry on. I was going to say, if you're talking cash money, technically it's Robert Downey Jr., isn't it? Isn't it The Rock? Yeah, The Rock. <laughs> this year, I know, no, you're absolutely the right. Rock is yeah. the, because... <laughs> My dad, who who chooses films and runs a cinema, says that basically, if you just put if anything with the rock in, it will be the best selling film. They've been playing Jumanji for about six months, sold out every week. So the you know the the rock is the uh... most bankable star. That's so in answer to the question, are stars dead? No, the no. rock is no, still the rock alive is still and well. James, you seen anything in the world of film this week? I saw today that um, Nicolas Cage. A man, now, a man close to my own heart. Yeah. A man close to your own heart <laughs> is fulfilling a long lifetime dream of his of playing Superman. Oh, okay. Obviously, in the 90s, a lot of people know, he was cast in a Tim Burton Superman film called Superman Returns, where he had long hair and the glowing suit. And they actually made a documentary about the pre production of it because it was so ridiculous before he got cancelled. <laughs> and he's now cast as. The voice of Superman in an animated film. So was this was this during like Con Air period? This was I think. Yeah, P- it was Pete Cage. Cage, Snake Eyes, Conair, that kind of thing. Yeah, era. it was around that the time. Rock. Yeah, the rock, around that time. Full circle. Um, I think Tim Burton like had done, had obviously done Batman by that point. Yeah, and was now kind of doing. So Tim Burton basically just went, oh, "God, I need a name for this Superman film." So 
Then what do I call that other Batman yes. one? Yeah. yeah, Superman. That seems to do right. Can we call it just Superman? Oh, Who's going to be Superman. Lex Luthor though? Danny DeVito. I'm, I'm not. Sh- I'm not sure. Michael Keaton. I'm, <laughs> I'm sure they'd cast some more people in it. Um, the pictures are fascinating if you've not seen them already. And and the other, and if that wasn't enough to put you off that animated Superman film, I believe they've cast someone called Lil Yachty to play Green Lantern. <laughs> you just put Lil in front of like any word, and you're a rapper, right? Suppose so, yeah. Uh, Lil, Lil Cage, Lil Cage, <laughs> Lil, Rob. Lil Cage, Lil, Lil Rob. I bet there is a Lil Rob. Right. So we've we've been talking about stars, right? Yeah. So you know this could be a, a big thing about star power. Whether this film that I've seen this week uh, flies out of the traps. So Madonna, huge star right. in her own right. Yeah. Uh, set to direct a new film called Taking Flight. Now this film is based on uh, a lady called Michaela de Prince's life. Now, she was an orphan in war-turned Sierra Leone and became a world-renowned ballerina, right? So mm-hmm. that sounds like a fantastic story. Um, yes. Unfortunately, did, did Madonna adopt her? Yeah, well, that's, I think this is probably, probably why she's doing it. I bet it is she's somewhere down the line. She just wants to go to Sierra Leone for the, look for some new kids. <laughs> exactly. But um, perhaps Madonna's not the safest pair of hands to this film because uh, just going back over her directorial history, uh, her debut was a film <laughs> called <laughs> Filth there, and Wisdom. There is one? Yeah. Her debut director film was uh, called Filth and Wisdom in 2008. Um, Anthony Lane in The New Yorker described it as, in technical terms, more professional productions than this are filmed and cut on iMovie by 10-year-olds a thousand times a day. So, Jesus. questionable. Uh, and she followed up with 2011's WE, or WE, uh, and just a, a, a little selection of the uh, reviews of that. Colin Kennedy from Metro called the film Disastrous, noting the film's judicious casting and handsome design were marred by a callow director's <laughs> shaky shot selection. And Adam Woodward of Little White Lies panned the film as an arrogant vanity project rendered laughable by its kitschy sycophancy. So, big hopes for taking flight. Oh, it's going to be a belt. Well, uh, you know, the best thing to do would be just to cast The Rock as the ballerina. Oh, well, I mean... Y- y- Which yeah. I think he's already done in something else. Am uh, I thinking of Vin Diesel? Are you th- you're thinking of Vin Diesel in, in the, the Tooth Fairy, yes, which I is am. also what I thought of as <laughs> yeah. well. So. so Madonna directing Vin Diesel as a ballerina. As, no. Sierra Leone. And The Mid- Rock can be the young orphan. version, and then he grows up to be Vin Diesel. <laughs> is that the right way around? I think if you were t- talking about it in terms of Pokemon Evolution, you'd probably have uh, Vin Diesel before The Rock, wouldn't you? Rock would be final form. So Nicholas Cage would be the final form. Vin Diesel is your kind of Charmeleon. <laughs> yeah. So who would, the, the pre- the who would be the who would be the who would be your first version of that Pokemon? Ti. Patrick <laughs> Patrick Stewart. Patrick Stewart. Just because he's bald. He's about hundred years older than him. Yeah, but he's, maybe he's Ma- small. Maybe Michael Chiklis from The Shield. Oh, um, uh, what's his name in um, American History X? The younger brother, Danny. Edward Furlong. Edward Furlong. Yeah. In American History X, specifically, just bald and skinny. Vin <laughs> <laughs> Diesel, bald and ripped. Jesse and Jesse Eisenberg when he was Lex Luthor with, with a bald wig. Yeah, nice. that's it. That's it. Just a collection of weedy people would know her. It's something they termed the Shimmer. We've sent in drones and teams of people, but nothing comes back. But something has. Right, so this week we're trying something a little bit different. So we are the movie men, and we like to do movies that are often out in the cinema, we go and see them, but there was something that caught our eye a little bit differently this week. So we've decided to review Annihilation, and Annihilation is interesting because it's just been released on Netflix, and it's a film that stars Natalie Portman, 
uh, as a scientist slash military person, and Jennifer Jason Lee, who was barely recognisable as far as I was concerned, entering into a strange natural phenomenon or maybe unnatural phenomenon somewhere in the United States. So, trying out something a little bit different with this one, not a film that's been released in the cinema. What was what was our thoughts well, behind it, this? It, it, it was released in the cinema in the States, of course, which mm -hmm. was an interesting point. Um, released in the States in America, and then a couple of weeks later, so Monday just gone, internationally mm -hmm. released on Netflix, directed by... And one of the reasons... Sorry. I was going to say, directed by Alec Garland, mm -hmm. who did Ex Machina. Yeah. Which was... Wrote 28 another, Days Later. Yes, which was another very good, um, smart sci-fi film as well. So, um, one of the reasons that it didn't get released, uh, it didn't have a cinematic release worldwide, is there was issues with the um, studio, basically, who thought that the film was too intellectual and too intelligent. Yeah, they were too scared. They were too scared. Yeah. And I think this is such a terrible trend that, like, it, it's going to turn cinemas into, essentially, it's just movies and just mm -hmm. blockbusters. And it's so sad to see. So was it too intelligent? It, I mean, film, it, it I doesn't, the opening question. It doesn't, it doesn't say a lot for us when it gets released in America and then not here because it, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's we're not intelligent but enough for no that. No film is too intelligent. That's the opposite of Mission Impossible cinema. 2, though, wasn't it? Mission Impossible 2 was dumbed down for American audience, apparently. But what makes <laughs> it... But what, what, why, if it's an intelligent film, does that make it not releasable at the cinema? You could, David Lynch films were released at the cinema. Like, what, like, the conversation is just so... Absurd and patronising to audiences, think that all people won't get it. We best not release that in the cinema. Like if this was released twenty years ago, do you know what I mean? Sound like around where like Matrix and Event Horizon was released, people would be people go watch this cinema. You'll bat an eyelid. It was very Event Horizon. I suppose the sort of the the test probably was that Blade Runner twenty forty nine was didn't mm. do the business they hoped it would. I mean, you know, it still made a lot of money, but it didn't. Astro, you know, it wasn't Star Wars and making its, you know, its own weight in gold. So, perhaps based off the back of that, they've basically taken the money to avoid the risk, haven't they? So let's dig in on the movie then. So the film has been praised quite a lot. You know, it's, it's had pretty good reviews so far, but there's been some dissenting voices basically questioning whether it hangs together brilliantly as a film or whether <laughs> the actual final outcome it like sits right in the whole thing. What was your What was your view on the actual like film as a whole? I think the thing is, it's one of those films that it sets itself up really well and, you know, this this band of scientists are going into the shimmer, which is this sort of alien phenomenon thing, a place of the unknown and no yeah. one comes back from it. So, you you know, there's this mystery and it sets up and they venture in and, and I think the, the strongest bit almost is when they first go in, there's this sort of play with time and consciousness and, it, and mm -hmm. you know, it begins to, you see how it sort of affects their mental well-being mm -hmm. and... and you know, evolves from there. But ultimately, that's kind of where I felt it didn't really build on that. Mm. It was... As it went on, I found it got gradually more and more empty, really. Mm -hmm. And the sort of open... It's like a lot of horror films where I think you have this idea at the start of what is this thing haunting and it's quite thrilling and, and tense and then it sort of reveals itself and you go, oh, it's a, it's a ghost or whatever it is. And I think this film, in the end, really struggles to answer a lot of the questions it sets up. And yeah. To me, it doesn't. It just didn't create the same sort of effect as I think a lot of other good sci-fi films, like um, you know Blade Runner, Stalker, or the Thing. Even you know, sort of about human consciousness and an alien sort of interfering with people. And yeah. I just felt at the end that I didn't really care about any of it. 
James is itching to jump in here. I can tell he disagrees. I think the thing is actually a really good comparison. Um, I, I I found myself as the film went on getting more and more fascinated and involved because at first you're kind of going thinking it's going to go one way, thinking it's this sci-fi film about this group of scientists exploring this weird new world and oh, you know something weird's going to be going on in there and all this. But the more I kind of learned about the characters and kind of you you delve into the the deeper meaning about the the self-destructive nature of humans and the the this and this isn't kind of spoilers this isn't spoiler zones but she's a scientist and she's looking at the idea of cell splitting and the idea of of splitting and merging of both relationships and DNA and the way the 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 events of the characters' lives and the splitting up of between them and loved ones is mimicked in the kind of manipulation of cells and matter, etc. And this thing I thought it was fascinating. And the deeper and deeper it, it, it got, the more interested I was, the more fucked up it got. Um and, and I felt that it was it was the it was the fact that you was it was almost like staring through frosted glass and you knew what you really wanted to see was on the other side and it just scratched off a little bit at the time so you never really got a full picture of what was going on. But there was you just could just see just enough to know that it was pretty fucked up and you didn't want to be back there. And I thought it was it, it did it really well. Um the one thing I would say was that I think the comparison to Event Horizon, that kind of thing, is very, mm. you know, very good. And I thought the des- the art design of everything was, like was fantastic, right. of, the, of the exterior places. But then without going into too much details, I thought when they got to some of the interior places, um, I just couldn't pull away from the, the Geiger stuff. And this was pretty much just... There's, was, there's a room which just looks like it's from Alien. You kind yeah. of, and it kind of snapped me out of it for a second. I was yeah. like, fucking hell, they just walked into another film. Here. But other than that, I thought it, it, it looked incredible and... Um, it, it 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 drew on a lot of other films. Event Horizon, absolutely like so much Event Horizon in there. Uh, 2001's Evolution with David Duchovny. Ooh, I saw a thing which said it was. I think the producer said it was most closely aligned with 2001: Space Odyssey, which is a huge jump. I think because because <laughs> that's the thing. I think 2001: Space Odyssey yeah. asked a very big question about the entire nature of humanity and where it's going and being, yeah. which is like mind-blowing by the end. I think the, the problem I have with this film is at the, it gets to the end and this is the whole thing is you're zeroing in on this point but the, there is no end point. There is nothing at the heart of this film at the end. I think what's at stake for the whole of people and humanity and, and the sort of, you know, like the thing, there's this mm. paranoia running through of who is the thing, where is the, you know, how can yeah. anyone trust anyone? I didn't feel like there was any real sense of Graveness about the sort of end conclusion of this, but wasn't the point? The point was the the whole subtext of of the destruction of cells and tumors and cancer and annihilation, essentially, and the kind of like the fact that none of those things, and especially the the self destruction of human nature, is so subconscious and passive and doesn't have wants or anything like that. Is that these things like the split of cells, the you know the creation of tumors, the self-destruction nature of subconscious cancer. This is all stuff that just that just happens without motive. And I think that's really important to kind of understand mm. the the conclusion of the film. And especially the kind of ambiguity of the end and the, the twists and stuff. I think once you kind of come to terms with the fact that these the film is dealing with the themes of an un just an unstoppable wave of action and creation mm. that that you cannot reason with and that does not have a motive. 
And sometimes that can be the most terrifying is when there are, there are no answers because there's no questions to ask. It's a case of this is happening it just and there's just nothing we can do and that is, mm. and that is upsetting. And, I, and that, I think that is mirrored in both what we see physically in the shimmer where they are and when we learn about their backstories. It is one of those films, and they don't come around that often, that constitutes hours of discussion afterwards. Yes. And we've talked about it a lot, and we're going to talk about it a lot, and I'm going to recommend it to people, and I'm going to talk about it lots with them. I remember the days at university where I'd have more time in my hands, where I'd watch more films like this, and you would just sit for ages, Mm. talking about it, theorising, like, I can't remember a film that's had us talking as much as this Mm. one has. And I think that, (laughs) out of ten, I would, out of ten, I'd Can this film be rated out of ten? That's the question. I would, that I would, is a good question. I, I, I would give it an exclamation mark out of ten. Which, uh, no, I'd, I'd give, I'll I'd give it a tree person. Give it an emoji out of ten. <laughs> I, I'd, 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 I'd give it an eight. I really enjoyed it. Hey, Johnny? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with four, I think. Oh. No, a four is high. I'll say a five. Because I did enjoy it to a point, but I felt that in the end, I didn't think, God, that's going to really stay with me like, say... I think when you watch Blade Runner or if you watch mm. like um, Tarkovsky's two silent Solaris and Stalker, to yeah. me are very unnerving in their sort of realness. And Stalker's a very similar one because they go into this place called The Zone yeah. where there's yeah. a room and in the room your wishes will become true. But there's no CGI, there's no specially built sets. It's just sort of, you know, like this Chernobyl landscape. And I think those sort of sci-fis and like Invasion of the Body Snatchers there's a real sense of dread and reality, whereas this, in a way, I sort of would like it scaled back a bit. I think Lower the, the less you give, <laughs> I think the less you sort of give in that domain, yeah. the more it sort of becomes an internalised thing. And, you know, the sort of idea of sci-fi as being about inner space rather than outer space. I'm going to give it a seven, seven out of ten. I think, like you said, I, there was loads of great scenes, loads of great set pieces, so imaginative, so much great creativity. I just felt that at the end of the film, it didn't all come together in a coherent way. Now, that's mm. not to say it has to come together in a nice, neat little package. But for me, it either... Well, oh no, that's not fair. One of two things. Either it didn't come together in a coherent way, or I didn't get it. So, And that's probably more likely, let's be honest. And I'm not ashamed to admit, I, if, if there was a big, grand reason behind it all, I didn't see it. I appreciate what you're saying, James. I think you're getting close with your... Like, I think films like this. Bit, answer, but, I think I think films like this are made to make your own mind up. I think, but I couldn't make my mind up. I don't think it actually gave me enough of a like. It's either this or it's this or it could be this. I felt like it was get, it was taking me there throughout the whole film. It was taking me to a place where I was like, oh, it could be this, and then it was shooting that down. So by the end of it, I was like, so it's none of the things I thought it was, and then so just kind of left. I, me with think, like I don't a, know what it wanted me to. Th- Think. I mean, not necessarily tell what to think, but what I didn't have anything to ponder after. You know, it ended and think. Oh, yeah. that's really made me think about humanity, or, or you yeah. know, sort of you know consciousness and stuff in the way that maybe it was sort of trying to do. At least I need to lie down. <laughs> At least it wasn't Cloverfield Paradox. No, that's a very good point. If you want to see a what sci-fi is? film that is the total opposite, Cloverfield <laughs> Paradox is a very good example of a film where there's no debate. Because yeah. there is literally nothing going on in that film <laughs> at all. The boundary is getting bigger, it's expanding. We're talking cities, states. You need to know what's inside. So do I. It's destroying everything. 
It's not destroying. It's making something new. Right, let's get back onto a more even keel. So it's quiz time. I, I, know, it's you, I know it's your favourite part of the show, James. You know it. And it's one of my favourite parts of the film. It's one of my top four parts of the podcast. I would say it's in my top ten bits of the program. (laughs) It's not that, including all the bits we cut out every week. Um, So, you know, this film is about some pretty impressive doctors and scientists and people like that. So I thought I'd have a look into scientists, famous scientists in film. So I've got, I've actually got 11 written down, but I'm only going to ask you seven as per usual. I hope uh, four of them are the Ghostbusters. And I'm just going to, Peter Venkman. Yes. Winston Zedmore. Uh, so this is going to be a faster finger first. Um, I can't remember what your noises are, but. You make some sort of ones. sci-fi noise. Whoop, 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 whoop. <laughs> okay. I'll say, I'll that. go Danger Will Robinson. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's you, that's you, James. What was yours again, Johnny? Whoop, 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 whoop. Good stuff. Right, so. Uh, I'm going to do seven, and uh, depending on how well you're doing, they're going to be the easier ones or the hard ones, basically. So, uh, number one, Dr. Seth Brundle. Sounds very familiar. I'm going to give you the actor if you don't know the name. Okay. Uh, Jeff Goldblum. Whoop, 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 whoop. Oh, that's Yono. Uh, Danger, <laughs> Will Robinson. Uh, the Fly. Yes, The Fly. Dr. Seth Brundle in The Fly. Is he a doctor in Jurassic Park? Yeah, Dr. Dr. Ian Malcolm. Dr. Ian Malcolm. Okay. Too oh. obvious. Couldn't go with Dr. Ian Malcolm. Can't go with the good doctor. That's no, too no. easy. What is he a doctor of in Jurassic Park? Uh, Bones. Having his buttons undone. <laughs> yeah. He's got a, a PhD in... Oh, in lounging. Is he Blair on holiday? As Steve Show was saying. Question number two. Wayne Zelinsky. It's a bit of a cult classic. 90s. Late 80s, early 90s. Played by someone who was in Ghostbusters. Rick Moranis. Danger, Will Robinson. Yeah. Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Yes. And? Honey, I Blew Up the Kids. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That's Wayne Zelinsky. Uh, question number three. It's a nice, easy one. Dr. Emmett Brown. Danger, Will Robinson. Back to the Future. Yes. <laughs> back to the Future Part 2 and Back to the Future Part 3. <laughs> yes. Just yes, in case. Uh, question number four. Dr. Ellie Sattler. Laura Dern. What, what, what? Oh. oh, is it Jurassic Park? It is Jurassic oh. Park, yeah. See, I, couldn't I was like, that's the only thing I think of Laura Dern as a, <laughs> as a scientist. Then maybe Laura Dern signs everything. Uh, I'm going to not do this guy because I think James would get it straight away. So I'm going to go with... Ellie Arroway. Jodie Foster. Wob-wob-wob. Is it um, Science of the Lambs? No, that's Clarence Starling, isn't it? Oh, yeah, of course she is. James got three here. It's one of... Contact. Yes, it's Contact. (laughs) It's Contact. I'm enjoying this. I might just do all of them. Um, (laughs) Keep it going. Question number five. No, that was question number five, wasn't it? Question number... I've messed up the numbering now. Question number six. Dr. Grace Augustine. Dr. Augustine. Can't wait for Doctor No. Sigourney Weaver. Oh, this is what? What? Alien? No. I was going to say that's what she's called. This is this is Danger Will Robinson. Yeah. Cabin in the Woods. No. Avatar. Fucking hell! Forgot she was even in that. Yeah. Doctor Eric Selvig. Oh, well, Danger Will Robinson. Yeah. Thor. Yes. Didn't even have to use Stellan Skarsgård. Dr. Christmas Jones. Oh, wob, wob, wob. 
Oh, I just know. Is it James Bond somewhere? Yeah, which one? <laughs> Tomorrow Never Dies. The World Is Not Enough. Oh, Denise blokes. Richards. Denise Richards. Yeah, it's a, it's a Brosnan one. I knew it was in the Brosnan. Give him the, the Brosnan. Uh, I'll give him the point. Give me a second series. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Professor Sherman Clump. Danger, Will Robertson. <laughs> the Clumps. Well, yeah, fine, but I was really looking for the nutty professor. Oh, oh yeah, shit, don't give me the point for it. Don't give me the point for it. I'll give you the point. Shim Clumps. And uh, finally, this is question number 10, actually. Dr. Joseph Heiter. Oh. Perhaps Dr. Joseph Heiter. Wob, wob, wob. Sounds German. Sounds like a Nazi. I'll go with Marathon Man. Because no, they've got a Nazi. Go. That's uh, Mengler, I think, in Marathon Man, isn't it? Oh, he's supposed to be, yeah. Uh, played by Dieter Laser. Oh, uh, Danger, Will Robertson. The Human Centipede. The Human Centipede, yes. <laughs> wow, <laughs> that is good knowledge. That is knowledge. Oh, I couldn't be bothered to keep count. But you both did very well. I think James won that one. I think <laughs> James, I'll, I'll concede defeat I on that James one. I think James did win, but you both did very well. This sucker's electrical. And I need a nuclear reaction to, to generate the 1.21 gigawatts of electricity. 1.21 gigawatts! 1.21 gigawatts! Right, so this episode has been a bit of a slog, mentally and physically. So, thankfully, we're almost at an end. Uh, but there is still time for one more part of the, of the pod. I know I did say that my, one of my favourite parts was the quiz. Another one of my favourite parts so many good of the parts. podcast is... This is the title, What is the Movie? So, is it who's on it this week? Johnny? It is me. Oh, yeah, because we had James's uh, Man City inspired opus a couple yes. of weeks ago, didn't we? So, so um, this week the title is A Sicilian Ghost Story. <laughs> so, <laughs> and remind everyone these are real film titles. <laughs> they are, uh, yeah. The, the following synopsis, not so real. Guaranteed every week a real film title. It's true. So look out for a Sicilian ghost story. Or not. <laughs> so, this is what it's about. Al Pacino is relaxing in his Sicilian mansion, the land of his roots, having just signed a multi-million dollar deal with Netflix to star in Adam Sandler's comedy sequel, Jack and Jill 2. <laughs> Yet just as he's about to send the email confirming the contract, the power cuts out, the house begins to rumble, and the sound of chains clunking against the wooden stairs can be heard, getting closer and closer. Terrified, Pacino quickly readies his M16. As the chains reach the door, shouts, Hello to my little friend! and fires off a rifle grenade. To Pacino's horror, through the smoke, a spectral presence appears, heaped in chains and wearing an immaculate tuxedo. It's Marlon Brando, the ghost of cinema past. <laughs> I could have been somebody. I could have been a contender, Brando mutters, mouth still full of cotton wool from The Godfather, before taking Pacino on a journey through cinema past, present and future, warning him about taking easy roles in terrible films with the likes of Adam Sandler and 50 Cent. <laughs> Will Pacino, he... And Lil Yolly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Little Yachty. Will Pacino heed Brando's advice and reclaim his ailing career? Or will he meet his mentor's fate, overweight in Ugg boots, starring opposite Val Kilmer and Charlie Sheen? Oh, love it. It's brutal. <laughs> and the good thing is, you can make a sequel with Robert De Niro. Yeah. The Both exact same plot. Both a minute, but never in the scene at the same time to each other. Uh, yeah, fantastic. That's I, I felt there could have been more lemons for a Sicilian story. That's maybe. true. Maybe... maybe Marlon Brando spat out his uh, orange pill when he came into the room. Yeah, so 
I really like. He could Christmas go stuff. and they could. He could take Alpacino back to you know the Godfather and Serpico, <laughs> and then show him some of his new films, and then show the future of just. I, I feel like well, straight to D, he's in straight to DVD. They go into Sainsbury's together. I feel like, and he's like, "What am I doing in this strange place?" And they're like, "Look at the shelf." <laughs> James, I feel like there's a hidden message in there somewhere from Johnny, but you know, it's it's very much like annihilation. I just can't. It's I just can't put my, my finger on what he's trying to no, say. No. <laughs> you know, he's trying to compare it to something else, but it's just a, a bit over my head. Is Al Pacino also a bear? <laughs> At some yeah, at some point, but right, he's got okay. the 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 voice of Robert De Niro. Yeah. <laughs> he's absorbed all of his his actors from The Godfather, and he's got Fredo's receding hairline. Wow, Al Pacino! It's not Al anymore. It's Dunk. Dunkachino? Don't mind if I do. What's my name? Dunkachino. It's a whole new game. Dunkachino. You want creamy goodness? I'm your friend. Say hello to my chocolate blend. Right, listeners. Well, I need to lie down. I don't know about the other two, but uh, you know, it's something to mull over annihilation for a long time. I'm I sure. feel pretty annihilated <laughs> after this. Podcast. Yeah, it's done exactly what it said on the tin. Yeah. Well, in the meantime, before we come back in a couple of weeks' time with hopefully a film that we all understand, but you know, we don't want it to just be easy. Yeah. We want to challenge ourselves, but uh, before then, please do follow us on Twitter and uh, whatever else. Listen, in subscribe on iTunes in the, in the street. Maybe. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hand us uh, handwritten letters if you come up to us in the street. Yeah, that'd be ideal. Uh, yeah, so follow us on Twitter and subscribe on iTunes and keep listening because we really do appreciate it. And, and write us a review as well. Oh yeah, right. More, review. more reviews. Johnny's still not bad ones. waiting to get round to writing a review himself. No, I have written a review. Oh, you have. I, I thought have. it was another case of every week. <laughs> oh, no, I wrote, I wrote one this time. What? I went onto my old laptop with Netflix. What fake name I put under? Well, I can't remember actually. <laughs> I, well, I don't I reveal make... it. <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> what what fake name? <laughs> that's just all. All those that. reviews are genuine. Yeah. So that's it from us. We're all off to watch Jack and Jill too. Actually, on second thoughts, I'm going to head into the shimmer. <laughs> <laughs>